Shabbat Shalom. And I am excited and look forward to and love talking about the Word. So we get to talk about the Messiah today. My goal for this topic is to see who the Messiah is to us. Like to make Messiah personal. Not just a lofty something that we don't really use. Um, But Messiah is very personal. I believe it's when we understand who the Messiah is, Messiah can change our world completely. It'll change people in ways that we don't even understand when we understand who the Messiah is. So that's my goal. That's our goal for today. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for loving on us and just giving us the opportunity to talk about you, Lord, to fellowship with you, Lord. I just praise you for that, Lord. Thank you for giving us a revelation of Messiah like never before, Lord. Thank you for speaking to the hearts of individuals here in the congregation, individuals who are on the Internet, wherever they are, if they're in Japan, if they're in Australia, if they're in Kuwait, wherever they are, Lord. Thank you for speaking to each person. And I just give you praise for everything you're going to do. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech Ashir Kiddushana B'mitzvotah B'tivanyu La'asok B'divrei Torah Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to immerse ourselves in the words of the Torah. Amen. Well, I just want to start with the question, who is Messiah? And why do we need a Messiah? And my goal is to just read scripture And have different things to answer that question. Maybe answer directly, maybe not so directly. So um, let's start here. I want to start with 1 Timothy 1.17. says, Now to the king eternal, immortal, and invisible, the only God, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Colossians 1.15. He is, the invi- he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. So how can we see God? John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is our Messiah, the picture that I'm trying to paint. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is at that father's side has made him known. Read that again. No one has no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side has made him known. I think this is a clear distinction between um, some who those who are, I say, Orthodox Jews they believe in the concept of, I say they, you if you're listening, you believe in the concept of Messiah, but you don't believe that Messiah is God. And I just wanted to get right to the point, because that's, that's the big deal. That's the, that's the defining mode. They believe they're looking, they're still searching for the Messiah. They believe the Messiah is going to come. They believe the Messiah is a man like us. He's a normal man. But I believe that the scripture teaches completely different than that. I believe the Messiah was a man and is a man, but he's also fully God, completely. And that's the distinction. 
It's a big deal. It's huge. Because if I believe he's just a man, then I kind of bring him down on my same level. And he's not. He's not my same level. He's completely God. And the scripture declares it's not because I came over this on top of my head. It's because the scripture says this. So how can the Messiah, what can he do for me? What, let me read this. This is by Frederick Nietzsche. I love reading poets. Sometimes they have great sayings and they really help lead us to, to God. I think that they're good. But anyway, this one says, The strength of a person's spirit would then be measured by how much truth he could tolerate. Or more precisely, to what extent he needs to have it diluted, disguised, sweetened, muted, or falsified. Frederick Nietzsche. I love that. How much truth can you tolerate? See, it's easy to talk about truth, but it's, it's hard when somebody's talking about something that you have to change. Nobody likes, I say nobody. Sometimes change is hard. If you are, anybody, have y'all seen, um, what's that show? Um, My 600 Pound Self, or what's the name of that show? You know what show I'm talking about? Is it My 600 Pound Self? My 600 Pound Life. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. My 600 Pound Life. Had to be accurate. At least I tried. Uh, they are confronted with truth by this awesome doctor who is, he's amazing. He's just very calm. He just tell them, look, sir, ma'am, you need to do what you got to do. You got to stop doing this. And when you're overweight, when you're that overweight, it's a disease. And it's a disease that some people look at people and go, you know what? They can just stop eating. Stop. You don't even understand. I don't understand because they're, they're really trapped in their own body when they're that overweight. They're just, they, they can't control themselves. They can, but it's tough. We have to put what they're going through to our own level. Like what is some things that we know we need to change, but we don't necessarily want to do it. I'm trying to bring it home. Did I bring it home? There's a lot of things that we know we need to change but it's tough. And I believe the Messiah, he's going to help us to change those things. That's why it's so important to make God personal. Because if the Messiah is just a man, he, he can't do nothing for me. Okay? God is going to be the one who's going to change us. And that's why the, if we make him more personal, it'll, it'll make sense to us. So, and this right here says, you can tell much about a man's character by how much truth he can tolerate. I truly believe that. That was said by Jordan Peterson. He's actually a clinical psychologist. I listen to a lot of clinical psychologists because they know a lot about the inner works of people. And I like knowing about people because it helps me to relate in this world with people. Because we're around people all the time and we need to know how to relate so we can share the gospel. So we can just love on people. And really not just loving on people, just so we don't hurt anybody. Right? You ever been in a situation when you're so upset with somebody that you, you had to learn how to control yourself? Is anybody? I'm raising my hand. Yes. If I could raise my foot, I would. Okay. You, you're just so upset, like, I got to leave the room. Or I got to go for a walk. I got to. But I believe, again, that goes back to who the Messiah is. The Messiah came. The scripture talks about him saving. What do we need saving from? I believe we need saving from ourselves. 
It's not just others. We need saving from this, this evil that's on the inside of me. The scripture calls it the evil inclination. We have an evil inclination to do some horrible things. And I think all of us, in listening to psychologists, all of us, if put in certain situations, we'll sometimes do things that we wouldn't think we would do. As, as Daphne always tells me, I, you're not the same when you're hungry. But that's real, right? Sometimes when you're, when you're pushed in a corner, when, you're, when things happen to you, sometimes we come out. But the, I believe the Messiah, knowing him is so important because he's going to help us to deal with that. I see the Messiah as the ultimate coach. And the ultimate coach is saying, get back in there. You know how to, and we have to do our due diligence to work on ourselves so, enough so that we get put, whenever we're put in those situations, because guess what? As long as you keep living, you will get put in that situation. We'll know how to respond when that situation happens. And that's why we come to congregation. That's why we study the scripture. That's why we walk with the Lord so that we're strong, so that we can know how to walk with him. Uh, my son, years ago, he was in karate, and they had a phrase. He said, I will, I will develop myself in a positive manner and avoid anything that would reduce my mental growth or physical health. They made them say that every time they came in the dojo. But, but what you're doing is you're developing yourself, and we should always do that. We should develop ourselves mentally. How do you develop yourself mentally? By maybe reading books, studying the scripture. You, you develop yourself spiritually by walking with the Lord. You develop yourself bodily by eating right. Because if you're not eating right, if you're very unhealthy, you think that's going to affect how you deal with other people? Yes. It's going to affect you a lot because you're, you're unhealthy. And we have to do our due diligence. We can't put that on God and say, that's God's fault. No. God's given us all the tools that we need, but we have to do our due diligence to push. And that's where the Messiah is going to help us to push to go towards that. The more I, the more I come to know the more I realize what I don't know. Sometimes I think I've learned so much, and I go, wow, I really don't know anything about this topic at all. Does anybody ever feel that way? But I think it's, it, it, doesn't it bring great peace to understand that we're probably not going to know it all? Ain't no probably. We're not going to know it all. And we're just going to keep, going in and keep studying and keep learning. And, and something that the Lord said, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. That brings me great peace because sometimes we wake up and we, when things aren't going right, when your family members are coming against you, when your children are acting crazy or something, and you go, what, what happened to this beautiful, perfect life? That, that, that's a lie. That is a lie and a myth. Some people just think, but if you understand that life, things are supposed to happen to you, I think it brings great peace because I know I need to do what I need to do to get out of that situation. Um, some worldview says life is suffering. I kind of understand that because it is. Life is suffering tainted with malevolence. I love that phrase. Malevolence just means a tendency to do evil. So it's, but if you know that, I need to do what I need to do to get out of that boat. Because some of us think, because again, some of us, honestly, we're just very sheltered. I'm just being honest. Does anybody believe they're sheltered? I am. Especially Americans. We are very, Americans are very sheltered. And it, it could be good and bad. 
because it can be good because great things are going well but it can be bad that we start taking things for granted and we start taking things for granted that's we start going in the other direction and then things happen to us um, I was reading about a lady and this was like last week she committed she committed suicide she was drive she went on the bridge she had three kids in the car she stopped the car closed the door with her kids and went over the bridge and just jumped out and just committed suicide Wow, that just messed me up reading that stuff like that, you know? She just ended her life, and her kids, they have to figure this out. They got to go, what? I just saw my mom commit suicide. My mom just, so they have to figure out life where they are. That's why something I love talking about is we all need to be born again from our situations. And I'm not even talking about God. I'm talking about just be born again from the culture so that we can start seeing the truth. And we start seeing the truth, God's going to bring us to this thing we call the Torah. And as we get to the Torah, God's going to show us these things. Because these things are honestly not natural if you start to read them. They're not natural to say, um, if he smacked you on one side of the face, I'm going to turn the other cheek. Does that feel natural? That doesn't feel natural at all. Somebody smack you like, it's on. It's, it's about to be on. You it doesn't feel natural, but we know what that means. At least we know as we study the scripture, if someone smacks you on one side of the cheek, that just means you, you don't allow them, you do something so that they wouldn't want to smack the other side. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like you need to respond in such a way. So you need to love on them even though you were just disrespected. That's hard. It's easy to say with these words out of my mouth. But it's when you're in life and things happen, when somebody cuts you off in 285 and you want to say some words, y'all know what I'm talking about? Beep, 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 beep. I'm sorry, Lord. I, that, that should not have came out of my mouth. But it happens, right? And, we have, and that's, why we need to do, that's why we need a Messiah. That's why we need the ultimate coach who is God, not a man. We need the ultimate coach to say, get back in there, Terry. You're all right. Just calm down. Go walk around the building. Go to the bathroom, do something, do what you got to do, but you need to get back in there, if that makes sense. Truth is precious. It's better than gold. This is what we should feel like when we come to congregation. We should be saying this all the time. Thank you for enlightening my soul. The burns, still, the burns are still healing. We should say that because if we're humbling ourselves, we come into a place of learning God is always showing us things because none of us are perfect. Anybody perfect in here? Perfect people? Ooh, nobody perfect, okay? Just fix. This. No, nobody's perfect, okay? Nobody's perfect at all. And it, since we're not perfect, we need to be continually humbling ourselves to change. Continually. This should happen on a daily basis unless you think you're all that in a bag of chips. And I don't think anybody thinks they all. Maybe, okay. We don't think that. And if you do think that, then stop thinking that, okay? please. We should be saying this all the time. Thank you for, I read that. It takes humility to take you to another place. You can't manifest who you are without the truth. I love that. You can't manifest your real self without the truth because your real self wants to follow God because God has placed eternity on the inside of each one of us. So as a human being, you really want to follow God, even though sometimes we're not following God. So when your family member, if you have children, some of us have wayward, some of, I say us, now I just put something on my children. Anyway, if we have wayward children, 
adult children, we need to know that our children are our assignment and we are to love on them. And eventually, they're going to follow God. I believe that. I'm going to stand on that. I keep, and you got to keep, it's like you got to stand on the word for your children and for yourself until the truth comes out of you. You got to just stay with it. It's like we're the gatekeepers and God has allowed us to come into this position to, to honor him so that he can manifest his truth through us. Are you, are you a developing? Got to stay with my slides. Are you a developing valiant? Possessing, what's a valiant? Valiance. I said, this, this isn't a GRE or SAT test, is it? <laughs> Valiance. Va what is it? Are you courageous? Courageous. That's a great word for, because the, the flip side is, is, is like a coward. You're either valiant or coward. That's, that's what I'm getting at. And the definition I have here is possessing or showing courage or determination. That's a valiant. Someone who's a coward is a person who lacks the courage to do or endure dangerous and unpleasant situations. Nobody likes unpleasant situations, unless you're just weird that way. Anybody weird? No. We don't like, you might be weird. If you were weird, you wouldn't admit it. Or maybe you would. I'm not crazy. Maybe I am. But a valiant, we should be, and I say developing valiant, because everybody in here, if I say, are you, are you, are you developing value or are you developing coward? Most, nobody's going to say, I'm a developing coward. Nobody's going to honestly say that. You're going to know I'm of a developing value. But when you start looking at yourself, we got to start looking at ourselves like somebody else that doesn't know us. It's almost like you got to look out here and pretend like I'm looking in and so that I can help change me. Because if we look at ourselves, we always we think we're doing the right thing. You ever sometimes study history? And if you study history from different vantage points, Whoever's writing the history, they're always the victor. If you read history from North Korea, the United States is the big bully. We are in different countries. From United States standpoint, history, that's why we, the evidence is the same for all of us, but it's how we interpret the evidence. Because the evidence is out there, it's the way it is. But it's how we interpret, and that's why we need a Messiah. That's why we all need saving. We all need help. And we come to the understanding and say, you know what, I am messed up. Know that you're messed up and you really don't understand who you are, then God can help change you. It's almost like I need to get to the bottom of it, like clear, like dump it all out. Dump it, clear all this stuff out, and then God's going to just start working with you. And I just remember moments in my life when I decided to say, you know what, I am. I remember when um, we were living in Tennessee and we were going to Clarksville Family Bible Church. And every time I say it, it just comes out country because everybody just, they're just country there. I'm just telling you. It was like a culture shock. And I was like, wow, why is everybody talking this way? But everybody was just the same thing. But it's not bad. It's just the way it is. I'm just an observant person. I look and I go, wow, they're talking like this. Okay, over here. But anyway, why did I just tell you all that? I don't know. Oh, I was telling you all, when, when you start coming into yourself, you start to... Know that you don't know. And the first time I remember understanding, you know, I don't know anything about the Bible. Matter of fact, I really felt pretty ignorant. Like, I didn't know what the gospel was or Matthew. I didn't know. I was just clueless. And I just took out. I said, you know what? I'm going to study the scripture. It took me over three years 
to study the scripture the first time, literally, because I just read it, Genesis. Okay, I got this book. I should have brought it. Anyway, I got this book was like a study guide walking through the Bible, and it just kind of helps. It, it helped me to kind of walk through it and guide me each step. And I think all of us have to come to that place to say, you know what? I need to study the scripture for myself. So if you're a child, if you're a teenager, if you're an old person, it ain't got nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with you coming to the end of you and saying, you know what? I need to, I need to find out about God. But until then, you're probably just going to be going through the motions. This message means nothing to you. Does that make sense? Because we've got to be real with ourselves. So the question is, are you a developing valiant or developing coward? Be honest. Maybe you're a developing coward and you just, maybe you need to admit it. It's not anything wrong with that. We just need to be real. I have a statement here by William Shakespeare. Y'all may have heard it. Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. That came from William Shakespeare, Julius Caesar, Act Two. But it's, it's beautiful. But does that coincide with the scripture? Yes, it does. The script, that is absolutely coincide with the scripture. But we need to be developing valiant. And if we're not developing valiant, start being a developing valiant. And if we start being a developing valiant, then we start to understand that. This is how God is going to change me. This is, God, this is how he's going to mold me. That's how we make the Messiah personal to us. Because again, the Messiah is our coach. He's telling us, change this. Hold your head up. You're, you're, you're walking like a fool. You're, you're cussing too much. Stop driving crazy on 285. Stop speeding. Did I, hit, did I, did I step on anybody's toes yet? I was trying. That was my goal. Because all of us have things that we need to work on. And that's what God, and that's what he's doing. He's just, but it's, it's love. It's love, and he's love. When I was in the military in basic training, when the drill sergeant yelled at me and told me some cuss words that he probably shouldn't have said, that was really an act of love. He might not have known it, but uh, I knew it because I knew I needed to change. And I, I didn't think it at the moment, but guess what? I needed to change. And, and when they get those soldiers, they come in. You've seen the movies. They come in looking like fools and crazy and all kind of stuff. But after those drill sergeants do a job on them, they're soldiers. They're walking straight. They're doing what they need to do. And that's how we need to feel when we come in the house of the Lord. That God is going to shape us up. But we need to do that out of an act of our own will. He's not going to make us do that. We have to humble ourselves. I say have to. We get the opportunity to humble ourselves. And it's only when we do that will we change. If not, we're going to remain the same. You know people. It might be yourself. Don't look around at anybody anyway. But you know some who refuse to change and we're just stuck I, I got a list family if you're watching I'm talking to you I'm just joking alright but some people honestly they're going to they're going to have to die until certain things will change because they don't want to change they literally are stuck I have family they will not they don't even care um, I'm, I am one of the um, fan reunion coordinators for my family so I get to talk to a lot of family. And some family members, I try to have conversations about certain things. It's like talking to a wall. You might as well just, it ain't even, they're just stuck. They're just, they've been this way for 50 years. 
and I ain't going to change for nobody. You, I don't care who you are. Well, great. We're going to have to just wait for you to die to change some things. Hate to say that. That sounds mean, but that's just the reality. I wouldn't say that to their face. I'm probably just thinking it as they're talking. Okay. okay. Lord's going to have to help me on that one, okay? Y'all pray for me. All right, let me keep going. Is that, can y'all see that? Okay. These are just some things that, I got some of this from Jordan Peterson, some of this I add to it, but this is some things that will help us because, again, we all need help. Believe that the truth, <clears throat> excuse me, believe that the truth will set you free. If we believe that the truth will set us free, then we'll continue to seek the truth, always. I think, I think the Messiah will change every person on this planet. I have no doubt about that. Like I was telling you about the woman who jumped off the bridge. I wish she would have known. She may have known Messiah. She may have been a believer. But maybe life got to her so bad that she said, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm done. She should have just went to her coach. She said, coach, I need some help. Right? And it's easy for us to say, but that's why it's so important to come and get the word and study and, and make sure that when those situations happen, because like I said, um, in this world, you will have tribulation. Wait till tomorrow. Life's going to happen to us. And what are we going to do when those horrible situations happen? What are we going to do when loved ones die? How are we going to respond? Are we going to blame God? What are we going to do? We need to know how to walk with him. All right, next statement. Believe that people have an intrinsic divinity about their soul. We're created in the image of God. We're not animals. We're, we're completely different. It's... We don't learn things just by, you can teach a dog how to do a lot of things, right? Just by, I don't know, what's the ways you teach a dog how to play catch? You throw a ball at them, right? And you stay with it. Are humans that way? You can teach humans, but we're different. We need to understand that humans are made in the image of God. We're not animals. And that's the mistake that I believe a lot of, um, a lot of people make where we we reduce humans down to just nothing. It's like we don't, we're not, we're created in his image. That's what it says in Genesis 1.26. He created us in, the, in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So we're created in his image. So that means we have a, we're not divine. Don't think you're God, okay? If you do, then that's an issue. You're not, but we are created in his image, so you're very special, because God made us that way. We're his children. We're so special to him. It's like your children. Most, almost everybody, though, except teenagers, y'all don't have children. But almost everybody else in here, we have children, right? And you are a child, so you can relate as well. But your children are very special to you. Do you, do you put your children on the same level as your pet? I hope not. Some people do. Some people are like, I don't know, that's kind of hard. I love my love puppy or whatever, because we have a dog, too. We love our pup. We love Dewey, okay? Dewey is like part, Dewey is really part cat. Dewey is weird. We had a cat for a while, so Dewey started acting like a cat, so he comes up to you, he kind of rubs you like, like, what's wrong with you? You're a dog, okay? Dewey, you're a dog. Bark! Anyway, I'm sorry. But, but my point is, he's a, he's a dog, and humans are humans, so when I say a divine, a divineness about our soul, we just need to understand that we've been created in God's image. And so we are special. God made us that way. 
decide to live in that manner, and everything that is not worthy of that goal must die. So if we decide to follow the truth, everything else, we need to get rid of it. It sounds simple, but it is that simple. Sometimes we make things so hard. It's very simple. I need to follow. Whenever I learn that this thing in front of me is the truth, when I learn that, you know what, I need to study the scripture. I needed to study the scripture, period. I need to learn what God had to say because God was speaking to me. And when I learn what he has to say, that has changed my life tremendously. I'm not even going to go into any stories because I have no time. But that has changed me a lot. And I believe we understand. That's why we need to be passionate about telling people about the Messiah, telling people about God. Because if God changed me, can he change somebody else? Absolutely. God can change any person on this planet. And we need to believe that. And if we're impassioned with that, it ain't something I got to make happen. It ain't something I got to work up and go, let me try to figure out how to tell. No, man, this is a part of my DNA. This is who I am. So when I talk to somebody, it's going to come out in one shape, form, or fashion. That's just who I am. And I believe as we study the word, as we walk with him, God is implanting it in us more and more and more. But we have to do our due diligence to just humble ourselves. How much should we humble ourselves? It should be daily. Some of us every hour. I'm just joking. Maybe. But we need to be humbling ourselves all the time. Land before the Lord. Let's keep going. First John. Oh, I'm one more. People have within them the power to set the world straight. That's big. People have within them the power to set the world straight. I'm going to go to this one. There is no Hebrew word for hero. Got that from Rabbi David, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. I, th I thought that was amazing. I said, there's no Hebrew word. There's words that sound like hero, but it's not. Our hero, we don't need a hero because God lives on the inside of us. Greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world. Why do I need a hero? I can learn from people. I can, I can be inspired by people, but God lives on the inside of me. And when you become God inside-minded, it changes your demeanor. It changes how you walk. It changes how you talk to people. It, it changes that I don't need to have my head down feeling lowly when I'm talking to people. No, because God lives on the inside of me. And if I know that I'm going to it's just going to come out of me in different ways. It comes out and everybody has a way that they talk about the Lord, right? It's just the way I talk about the Lord is different than the way. And it's not necessarily you talking. It may just be you being. It ain't, sometimes you don't have to say words, and that's okay. 1 John 4.4, 4, you are from God, children, and you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. God used the family, the Jews, to tell the world about this. We are indebted to the Jews because they have watched, guarded, protected those words of Scripture. Like I said, those words in the Torah, the words behind me, this is uh, three of oh, thousands of Torah scrolls that are throughout our world. And these Torah scrolls go all the way back to Moses on the mountain. To me, that just messes up my brain thinking about that. That means those are words that came through from God to us. Do you think those words are going to change our lives? 
Yes, we need to have it at that level of we know that it's going to change our lives. Not maybe, we know it's going to change our lives. Who is Messiah to me? He is like the greatest coach of all times. His words are to be in you at all times. We are to choose his words. He's not going to make you choose them. We got to choose his word. We have to say what he's like. I was talking about the drill sergeant. The drill sergeant is almost making you say something like you wake up, go to bed. What are you doing? Look left. But really, he's not. You still have to do it because you can refuse. But if you refuse, guess what? You may have a few consequences. I had several of those. Not because of refusing, but really just because of ignorance. I remember the worst, I won't, okay, anyway, I, I'm, since I'm on it, the worst thing I've done was I left my wallet out on my bunk when I shouldn't have. That was the wrong thing to do because when I came back, everybody, clothes, wallet, boots, shoes, was all over that room. And guess whose fault it was? And guess who he let know about that? Everybody. So it was a, but you know what? I still didn't have to change. I could have chose to leave my wallet. That would have been ignorant, okay? But this is how God, I, sometimes I wish God would deal with us like this on some things. Because some of us need that much help, don't we? Because some of us refuse to listen about like our health. Yeah, I'm talking about one right there. Yeah, I had to go there. Um, about our relationships. Maybe some of us have some anger issues. And we just want to, we don't want to deal with it. We say, that's just who I am. You're a, you're a liar, okay? That is not who you are. That's not how God made you. And sometimes we can get settled in who we are, and we don't want to change. That's why, we need, that's why I say sometimes we need that drill sergeant to come in. My drill sergeant is Daphne Farrell. <laughs> I am so grateful for her to just say, you know you need to stop doing I go, you're right. But we need people in our lives that will tell us that. And especially if you know they're coming from a good place. Does that make sense? Some people are coming from a bad place, but we still can learn from them. Somebody could cuss you out. I'm talking about cuss you out from A to Z, and you may can get something out of that. You go, man, okay, they're right on that part. Ooh, that hurt. Because the whole goal is to find truth and walk it out and learn from God so that we can become who God has called. Because, again, God has placed eternity on the inside of each one of us. We want to follow the truth. We just don't know it. If we take the Messiah's message to heart, he will change our lives. Anybody seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? I love that movie. Okay, I'm going to talk about that briefly. This is a film that was set during the Allied invasion of Normandy during the Second World War. It was June 6th, D-Day. Everybody's heard about D-Day. June 6th, 1944, it was a Tuesday. There was something called the Atlantic Wall. It covered a distance of 1,670 miles, and it formed the main part of Hitler's fortress Europe. The wall was built to repulse an attack, an allied attack on Nazi-occupied Europe. Wherever it was planned, the building of the wall started in 1942 and ended in 1944. And it was actually an allied, some people think it was just an American attack. It wasn't just America. It was the allied forces that were all together. America was a huge part of it, but it wasn't just America. There were actually five beaches during that attack. There was the Utah, 
This was the U.S. that was their mission. The Omaha Beach, that was U.S. mission. The Gold Beach, which was the British mission. And the Juno, Juno and Sword Beach, they were between Canada and British as well. So it was the Allied forces. Now that I've painted the picture of that story. This isn't a history lesson. All right. This is a story about eight Army Rangers sent on a mission deep behind enemy lines. Private Ryan of the 101st Airborne Division lost three brothers in the war, and these eight Army Rangers were on a mission to find Private Ryan and bring him home. For those of you who saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If not, try to paint a picture. I wanted to play a clip, but I had to stop playing clips because Facebook shut us down, so I can't play clips of movies. So I'm reading a clip. Don't shut us down, Facebook. All right. It showed the realities of war from a soldier's perspective. At the end of the scene, Captain Miller, this is my favorite part of the movie, and this is where I get into. At the end of the scene, Captain Miller, who was in charge of the eight rangers sent to look for Private Ryan, said two words right before he died. And so just understand this. Eight rangers went to look for this one guy. And on their way to look for this one guy, several of them got killed. So they're kind of giving their lives for this one guy. Y'all see that? Okay. All right. So, and this was the end of the movie. And Captain Miller was, he was in charge of the eight rangers. And as he was dying at the end, Private Ryan was sitting there without going through the whole story. But Private Ryan was listening to him. And he said these two words as he was coughing up blood. <coughs> I said I was going to cough today. He's coughing up blood. He said, he said, earn this. Earn this. I love that. See, when I, whenever I put on my kippah, when I put on my talit, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking I am earning all the years of preservation that's put into so I can even know about this. Does that make sense? I need to earn this. I need to earn it. This is how I feel when I put on my kippah, my talit, when I'm reading the words of God and learning about the traditions that have been protected throughout the ages. I want to earn this because there's so many people that died. When I hear about my ancestors that jumped overboard the slave ships to escape the transatlantic slave trade. Man, I didn't have to endure that at all, but I'm grateful I'm here talking to you. I want to earn this. When I hear about the pain and anguish that those that survived the Holocaust went through, that just, again, I would try to bear witness. And what, the reason I'm telling you all this, if you see the Messiah as not just an inspirational book, but we see this as people throughout the years who've protected this word, who's guarded it, and we get the opportunity to share. Every generation has to go through this process. It's not automatic. It is not automatic that your children are going to know about God. It is not automatic that the next generation is going to know about God. It's our job. We're the keepers of this. When the, when the scripture says, Shemor HaShabbat Lechadeshow, it says we are to guard and keep the Sabbath. We're to guard and keep the words of scripture. If that makes sense. It's everything. Some more words. This is what um, Alice Ekman said. November 1st, 1944. Do not believe, I do not believe in finality. Create a beginning. Create a beginning. She said this was again during the Holocaust and all the 
craziness that went on in Germany. The urge to create and play in terrorism was the urge to live. See, that sounds simple, but it's a big deal if you're, if you're being so disrespected over and over and over. So just you getting out doing something that brings life show that I want to live. That means that's why we need that coach who is the Messiah. Um, y'all remember um, hearing about Nicholas Winton? Remember the story? He was, uh, that was the guy that saved all the, um, the Jewish kids. And they, they did like a, a thing for him. And he turned around and all the kids were behind him. I still feel that. He saved all those kids, but he did it. It was unselfishly. He didn't want anybody. He didn't bring attention to himself. He did it because he was following what God told him to do. And that's what we, we need people all over the place just doing what God has told us to do. It doesn't have to be anything that you're all flashy and trying to show everybody what you're doing. That's nothing. That's a waste. We need to know we need to follow God because we need to follow God for ourselves, period. Let's read, this is Romans chapter 10. It says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is for their salvation. Whenever you hear salvation, we're talking about, we're really talking about the Messiah. For I testify about them that they have zeal for God, but not based on knowledge. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. Key. This is where, and if you read this in other translations, I think we, and I think I know, we miss it right here. For Messiah is the goal of the Torah. Messiah is the goal. That's what we're looking for. That's why he is the ultimate coach. When I say he's the ultimate coach, that means we are to emulate our lives to be like him. It's not a regular humility coach, because there's some humility coaches that they're honestly out of shape and not doing a lot, right? I'm just being real. Was that real? So I'm not really emulating. I'm learning from them. They're telling me, but our Messiah is so awesome that we want to just follow and do what he's done. We want to do as much as we can on our level, because we're not, he didn't call us to do exactly what he did. But he's placed, we're, he's on the inside of each one of us, and as we begin to walk with him, we're going to manifest that truth that I talked about, all of us, in our own way. That's why he's the ultimate coach. For Messiah is the goal of the Torah as a means of righteousness for everyone who keeps trusting. Like I said, you're not going to make it. We're going to keep trusting. We're going to keep trusting. Because that's why some, when you hear some orthodox or, okay, I won't, talk about anybody at least I try not to but some that say you know I keep all the Torah I keep all this no you don't no you don't I can point that out in like a half a second okay and anybody else in here a three-year-old can point that out because all of us are going to miss it everybody nobody's perfect we're going to keep striving we're going to keep going towards and like we talked about earlier the older we get the more we learn the more we understand what we don't know we think we know I got that no you don't okay you're right I got it this time. Yes. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. And we're going to keep doing this throughout ages, throughout. We were talking about this last week. I've, I've, so far, I've read through the scripture probably about three times, maybe. Well, it's probably more than that. But throughout my life, I would love to read through the scripture like 20 times. 
Is that going to make me anything? No, that just meant I read through it 20 times. And maybe I've learned a little more. Because every time you read through it, you learn a little more. You add a little bit to that knowledge. You go, okay, great. I didn't see that before. Well, especially with Scripture, because Scripture is alive. And y'all have seen that. Sometimes you read a Scripture like today. You come back tomorrow. Like, I did not. Where did that come from? You read the same Scripture. But now God is showing you something completely different. That's why you don't study the Scripture like it's a normal book. Because it's not. You're meditating on it. That's why he said meditate on his word so that he will make you prosperous. And as we meditate on it, he's going to take us to a place that we need to go to. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on Torah. The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness based on, based on faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who will go up into heaven. This is to bring Messiah down or who will go down into the abyss. That is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. See, he's saying, don't say, well, if God were here, if the Messiah were here, this would... No. He said, let me read that again, because I love it so much. It says, the word is near you. That means it's on the inside of us. That's what we talked about earlier. Greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world. And when you have that, it changed your whole disposition about who you are. And we need to be more God conscious about who we are. And don't think you all that because you're not. Just had to throw that out. Okay. But we know that God lives on the inside of us and he's going to help us to change. And we're going to keep going in. We're going to keep going in. To me, that brings me hope to know that I can change because sometimes I'm just messed up. You know, I wake up like I want to go back to bed. I just want to try that day over again because I just, that day was just, matter of fact, that whole week was just wrong. I don't even know what just happened. I just want to go to bed and try it. Yes, we get to try it again. How many times do we get to try it? Hopefully for the rest of our lives. Don't ever give up. We should never quit. Never quit. Keep going because the Messiah is walking with us. For if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's that word. We use that as a salvation message, but it's not just a coming into the kingdom message. It's about everything. He's saving us from all. He's saving us from our anger. He's saving us from our ignorance. He's saving us from our alcoholism, from our cussing out our wife-ism, or cussing out our husband-isms, all that stuff. See, you're talking a lot about cussing, huh? Anyway, thank God for deliverance. Because we all need it, you know, and if we, and again, if we humble ourselves to know we need it, that's how God will change us. He'll change us one step at a time. Let me keep reading. For the heart, it is believed for righteousness, and with the mouth, it is confessed for salvation. For the scripture says, whoever trusts in him will not be put to shame. For there is no, there is, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, richly generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of Adonai shall be saved. This message is for everybody. It's for the Jew and for the Gentile. We need to understand that. That's another thing that sometimes it's a stumbling block. And I know you, I've talked to a lot of, um, have friends at work that are, are Jewish, that are, don't believe in Messiah. But sometimes they can feel like they're privileged. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
It's almost like they are God's chosen people. They are because God spoke through that generation. But that's not like a trump card. I did say Trump, but I mean, anyway, that that is like a Trump card to say, you know what? I got it. I'm all in there just because I'm God's chosen people. No, you still need to know the Messiah, period. That's why it says the Messiah is the goal. You can follow the Torah all your life. Come to every festival, go to Israel, walk to congregation, do all of that. And if you don't know Messiah, you don't know God. I know that's tough on people. Some people are like, that's wrong. How are you going to say that? I'm not saying that. I'm blaming the scripture. That's what the word says. And God just wants to move us to another level. I think what happens is a lot of times we're just very, we're just, we're very prideful. And we get so prideful that we don't want to hear it. Just like I was talking about earlier, the, um, the show, My 600-Pound Life. Did I say it right? If you, ever, if you watch that show, a lot of those guys, they just get prideful. They don't want to do what the doctor tells them to do. Right? They're like, I, I know what you said. I heard you 23 times, but I'm going to do this. And sometimes those individuals end up dying. I hate, who, who was that guy? His name was Sean, if anybody watched it. Ah, we were heartbroken just watching. We were watching this whole story. He lost all this weight. He went back and forth to the place, and he ended up dying because he just, it just, because he just did so much to his body. But this is the same for us. That's why we need to do our due diligence to tell people about the Messiah, however it comes out. I don't know how it's going to come out for you, but if we know somebody was walking in front of a, uh, of a moving train, Great example. Anybody in their right mind would tell them to move out in front of that moving train, right? Unless you're just, you're really wicked. Anyway, I want to watch them get hit by a train. No, nobody's going to do that. Generally, people, and that's how we need to feel about telling people about the Messiah. Because he's going to change people inside. All of us. Because we all need help. Let me get back to here. How then shall they call on the one... Did I leave off? Okay. How then shall they call on the one in whom they have not trusted? And how shall they trust in the one they have not heard of? And how shall they hear without someone proclaiming it? Who's proclaiming it? Us. Me and you. Not just the minister, not just the rabbi, the pastor, the teacher, all of us. When we come to congregation, I, to me, this is like a big... Um, a big coaching session. It's like a big, we can do it. Yes. Go out there and, and just do what you got. As, who, who said that, Jamel? Give them heaven. I love that. But you know what? That's what we need to be doing. Because this isn't the real ministry. The real ministry is we go out there with our jobs, and our workplace, with our lives. That's when real ministry, this is ministry too, don't get me wrong, because we want people to come into congregation who are sick, who need help. This is ministry. But we do way more ministry outside of the congregation. Way more. This is just a small part that we get the opportunity to do. And how shall they proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news of good things. But not all heeded the good news. For Isaiah says, Adonai has believed our report. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Messiah. And this is a great place to end. So the only way we're going to get those words of Messiah is by walking with him. 
is by doing our due diligence. I did want to read a few of these. This is a book that I love. And it talks about all the different places where the Messiah is in Scripture. And if you do your study, he's in every single book. He's in all of them. He's, so when you're reading the scripture, you're reading the book of the Messiah. All of, and it, it, all of it's pointing to him. Let me just read a few, and then we'll pray. In Genesis, we see Yeshua as the beginning, the promised redeemer and the seed of the woman. In Exodus, we see Yeshua as the Passover and the deliverer of God's people. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day, the fire by night, and the manna from on high. In Deuteronomy, he is a prophet like unto Moshe. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation and the sword of Gideon. In, in Judges, he is the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is a trusted prophet. In First King, he's the reigning king. And I'm going to stop because I can read all these. And I'm just telling you, it's beautiful. But he goes throughout all of Scripture and shows how the Messiah is in each book. That's why it's that important. And again, we need to make Messiah personal. He is my Messiah, so I walk with him daily, and he's going to change me because he told me he'll change me. And if we have that mindset, we're going to walk, and we're going to do great things for him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're grateful for you allowing us to just speak words Lord, I thank you for changing, for speaking to someone here in ways that my words can't touch. Lord, I thank you for healing individuals here who need healing. Lord, I thank you for showing us how to take the message of the Messiah and share it with the world. Lord, thank you for giving us passion, Lord, giving us a zeal to do that, Lord. So it's not something that we make in ourselves do, but it's just something that comes natural. Lord, I just give you praise for it all in Yeshua's name. Amen.